What is going on, sports fans? It's your man, Jack Bernie, here with Season 1, Episode 8 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast here at Unbranded Sports. We got a lot to talk about today, but before we get started, this episode, of course, is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. We're all in quarantine. We're all probably got a story or two to tell about these crazy two and a half months. And why not just start a podcast to do that? So go to anchor.fm to start your very own podcast today. Today is Monday, June 8th, and the NBA is back. The NBA is finally back. Sports look like they are coming back, and I am thrilled. So the NBA did vote on that, um, on their proposal on Thursday, and it went and it passed. Twenty nine of the team's owners said yes. One of the teams, Portland, actually did say no because they felt like they they could do um complete the season with only twenty teams instead of the twenty two, but. The NBA is back, so here is how it's going to work. So we did just come out with, we're going to come out with an episode later this week, both on YouTube and both on the Unbranded Sports Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that, of our Just Hoop show, the season three premiere of the Just Hoop show. We went through everything NBA in that episode. You're definitely want to, going to want to give a listen to hear um, this NBA proposal more in depth, but I'm going to kind of give you a uh, a rundown. So... Here are the NBA teams headed to Orlando. So in the Western Conference, it's the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Mavericks, and the Grizzlies. So those are the eight original eight teams. If the playoffs started today, those eight teams would be competing for the NBA title. But the they also invited back teams that were within four or four and a half games, I think, of the um eight seed so then we got the ninth seed portland trailblazers the 10th seed new orleans pelicans the 11th seed sacramento kings the 12th seed san antonio spurs and the 13th seed phoenix suns and then in the eastern conference it's a lot less teams it's got only nine teams in the eastern conference so you got the bucks the raptors the celtics the heat the pacers the sixers the nets and the magic and then you got the wizards who have a potential to um to make the playoffs. So how the nine seed and like the 10 seed, 11 seed in the Western conference could make the playoffs is first they would have to get up to that nine seed. So basically what I've been joking about with um, my friends and everybody I've talked to about this NBA thing is that the NBA did this, decided to go with these 22 teams so they could get Zion Williamson into the playoffs. Now I know that the Pelicans are like the 10 seed, the Portland trailblazers are still ahead of them, but Zion versus LeBron in the first round is the best matchup in the first round. It's the most marketable matchup. It's the the, the present versus the future. It's It's got all the makings of like a marquee playoff series. And although I think the Lakers would win that series pretty easily, I think it will be a competitive, high-energy, fun-to-watch series. I think that's what the NBA wants. But So how this would work is if a team, one of those teams gets to that ninth seed, and are within, I think, four games of the eight seed, then the eight seed and the nine seed go into a play-in tournament to decide who gets into the playoffs as that eight seed. So how the play-in tournament works is the eight seed, would it's a double elimination tournament, so the eight seed would only have to win once, but the ninth seed would actually have to win twice to overtake them for the eight seed. And then same thing in the Eastern Conference there. Um, some other news about this proposal, um, so the, the league dates 
have been finalized. So the uh, August twenty fifth is the draft lottery. So the two te- the teams in the draft lottery will be the Knicks, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Timberwolves, the Bulls, the Pistons, the Warriors, and the Hornets. So those are the teams. Since there's only eight teams in the league that don't get to like go to this or go to Orlando to compete for the playoffs. Those are the only eight teams, I believe, that are going to be in the lottery. And then October 15th is the NBA draft. So the um, the, the last game an NBA, um, an NBA um, team could play, the last day, would be October 12th. So that would be the day that Game 7 of the Finals would be held. So the season is looking like it's going to take place from July 31st to October 12th. And then the offseason is going to be starting October 15th with the draft. And then we're going to get into um, the, the free agency. And then the next season actually is supposed to start in December around Christmas like it did when the NBA had a lockout in 2012. So the NBA calendar, um, June 30th is when training camp begins for those 22 teams going to Disney World for the season. July 7th is when the teams will travel to the bubble site in Orlando. And they're going to scatter when they get there to avoid um, contact and uh, spreading of the coronavirus. And July 31st is when the regular season resumes play. They're going to play eight games. And then that, that'll decide if there is a need for a playing tournament. And it will also finalize seeding. Then August 25th, we got the draft lottery. October 12th is the last possible date for Game 7. October 15th is the 2020 draft. October 18th is the start of free agency. November 10th is when 2020-2021 training camp begins. And then December 1st is actually the target date when they want the NBA season to resume. 2020-2021, the NBA regular season to begin. But it also says November 10th and December 1st are flexible target dates. So, like, they're flexible. They could could change. They could not. So, there are some teams who are going to be getting a lot healthier, a lot better and a lot stronger for this these um the this season in Orlando, the this finished season in Orlando and the playoffs in Orlando. And there are some teams who are going to have to do without some star players and one of those teams is the new uh, New Jersey Brooklyn Nets. So the Brooklyn Nets are going to be without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for their run at this title. I don't think they're going to do well. I think the Nets will probably get the 8th seed. I honestly think that the Magic are going to overtake the Nets for that 7th seed and then the Nets are going to try be in a dogfight for the with the Wizards for the 8th seed. Um so Kevin Durant told Marks Marcus Spears, he said, "My season is over. I don't plan on playing at all." Durant of course is recovering from a an Achilles tear that happened in the 2018 NBA Finals while he was with the Golden State Warriors. He also did indeed have the coronavirus for a time. So that's another thing he needs to be thinking about. Um Kyrie Irving also will not be available for the Nets. So Kyrie um suggested on the NBA Players Association conference call today, well, that it's possible he could join the Nets in Orlando, but as an inactive player, supporting his teammates. He had season-ending shoulder surgery on March 3rd. So the Nets aren't going to have Kyrie or KD, but I think most of the other teams are going to use this time to get healthy, and that's going to prove for some competitive basketball. Um, who do, um, I, We made our predictions for who's going to get the eighth seed, and stuff in the Just Hoop show. 
go give it a listen. I'll put a link in the description if we do have that. But I think the eighth seed in the West, I got to go with the Pelicans, man. You got, look at Zion, Drew Holiday, Alvin Gentry, um, JJ Redick. You got so much talent on that team. And I think it's between them and Portland. I don't think Memphis is going to stay. I think it's going to be between Portland and the New Orleans Pelicans for that eight seed. And in the East, I think I'm going to go with the Nets. Nets are the magic, one of the two. If the Nets do play well, I can see them holding on to that seven seed. But I think it's more realistic that the Nets would fall down to eight and win that playing tournament with the Wizards. So that's all I got on NBA talk right now. But if you want a full in-depth um, preview of the NBA and an explanation of the NBA Go listen to the Just Hoop show on Unbranded Sports. I'm going to put a link in the description. It was a really fun episode to film. Filmed half of it outside, half of it in Shazab's basement. We were chalking up all things NBA, and it was a really great conversation. You guys are going to want to listen to that when it's on YouTube, when it's on Spotify. Don't worry. Um, I will link that in the description. Real quick, I want to go shift gears here from the NBA to the NFL so that Peter King from Pro Football Talk and NBA Sport and and NBC Sports he came out with a some power rankings. And let me just say they are ridiculous because for the NFL because I mean the first couple ones are okay. But so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through Peter King's NFL power rankings, tell you if I agree with them and then if I don't I'm going to tell you who I think should be there. So, number 1, obviously, I don't I don't disagree here at all. He's got the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs obviously won Super Bowl 54 over the Niners. They got the best quarterback in the league. They got one of the best coaches in the league. Um they are they are the team to beat. So the Chiefs are one. Um they I love their offense and yeah, I think that's a great pick at number one. So so far, so good for Peter King. So two, we got the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I could see the Ravens being two. I'm, I'm going to let this go. I'm going I'm to say, Peter King, you're right. The Ravens at two, they went 14-2 and two in the regular season. Yeah, they had a bad playoff game, but we shall not overreact to two games. They had two bad games last year, one against the Browns and one against the the Titans in the playoffs. So we're not going to overreact to two games. They got the MVP winner. They got a good defense. They got a, the best running game in NFL history statistically. And they added J.K. Dobbins. They're just going to keep getting better. I'll keep him at two. That's a great pick by Peter King. The AFC North is better with Ben Roethlisberger back and Joe Burrow. Um, but the I still think the Ravens are neck and neck with the Chiefs for the best record in the conference. Um, the AFC West will be markedly improved and Baltimore has a favorable end of the season schedule, five straight games to finish against teams that didn't make the playoffs. And I think Baltimore should finish the season 12 and four or better, much like the chiefs. Um, third. So the wheels are still on for Peter King's power rankings. Third, he's got the saints. I can see the saints being third. I might flip them with the 49ers cause he has the 49ers at four, but I think the Saints are four. Um, endings are not always pretty. Obviously, it wasn't for the Saints last year after they did lose to the Vikings in the playoffs. But the Saints still had a really good offense, a really good team. They were my Super Bowl favorites heading into the playoffs last year. 
Um, the, um, to make it to Super Bowl 55 next year, though, the Saints will have to be better than the San Francisco 49ers and the Buccaneers. Um, New Orleans is 23-5 and against the rest of the league in their last 33 regular season games and 3-2 and against the Buccaneers. And now Tampa has Tom Brady, so that should be interesting to watch. So, And then he's got the San Francisco 49ers at 4, which I can definitely see. The Niners just came off a Super Bowl run. They got Jimmy Garoppolo, who everybody says is inconsistent, but I still think he he had a pretty great season. Um, they got Nick Boza. Richard Sherman, they added Trent Williams. Niners got better, and they had they only had to win one more game last year to be to win their sixth ring. So I'll agree with the Niners at four. Five is where I kind of disagree, but we're still kind of on the same page here. So he's got the Buccaneers at five, but they 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 added Tom Brady, Gronkowski. I get that, I get that, but we haven't seen him play together. Tom Brady last year. Towards the end of the year, it looked more like Mitch Trubisky than Tom Brady. I know, I know. But the Bucks obviously, Tom, um, Jameis Winston did throw 30 interceptions last year. And they they did win, go 7-9. and nine. So you're telling me if they add Tom Brady, they're not going to win 9-10 games? I think they will. But do I think they should be ahead of teams like Seattle, like Green Bay? I don't think so. But we'll, 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 still, we'll still agree there. We'll still say the Buccaneers at 5. Seattle at 6, I agree. They went 12 and 6 last year, including the playoffs. Um, Russell Wilson, MVP candidate, perennial. DK Metcalf is up and coming. Um, Seattle needs Bruce Irvin or LJ Coiler to provide some threat around the edge and hope Griffin or Clowney is on the field opening day. But I can see the Seattle Seahawks at 6. 7 is where I start losing them, okay? He's got the Titans at 7. Now, I can see the Titans being at 7, but. I don't think they should be at seven because that's a place for Titans fans where they can say we should be number three because or number two because we beat the Ravens. But I don't think the Titans are that good. Remember, Ryan Tannehill is still their quarterback. I get they have Derrick Henry who carried them last year, but Ryan Tannehill is still their quarterback. Do I think they should be top ten? Yes. I think they should be more around nine or ten. But seven is okay. Now we get to eight where he completely loses me. At 8, Peter King, NBC Sports, Pro Football Talk in America. He has the Las Vegas Raiders at number 8. A team that went 7-9 last year, didn't make any significant moves to get better. They have John Gruden on the third year of his deal. Okay, they brought in Carl Nassib, Corey Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatowski, and Prince Mukamura. But... They are not the eighth best team in the NFL, man. I w- I think the Browns might be the Steelers. The Steelers are definitely better than the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Browns might be better than the Raiders too. Why are they ahead of teams like the Cowboys, like the Steelers, like the Vikings, like the Packers, like the Bills? I think. By the way, that's one thing I didn't mention yet. I think the Bills should be right around in the top six because I think the Bills are going to win twelve games this year, but. You never know, but he's got the Raiders at eight. Then he's got Dallas at nine, which is okay. I can see the Dallas at nine. They got a really good offense on paper. They brought in Mike McCarthy to replace Jason Garrett, and they brought in some good defensive um, defensive guys. Um, I think that the Cowboys will, will be competing for the NFC East crown, but I think nine is a good spot for them. And then ten, he's got the Steelers. 
right now, based on those 10 rankings, I would just flip the Steelers and the Raiders because the Steelers should be ahead of the Raiders because if you look at the Raiders and the Steelers, the Steelers had a better record last year than the Raiders. And they had a guy named Duck Hodges playing quarterback. The Steelers had the best defense down the stretch last year. And they and they, they had the best defense down the stretch last year. And they're bringing back Big Ben. Like, I don't get how that is not something to put you ahead, you know? So I would put the Steelers, I would put them definitely at number 8 and not at number 10. I would definitely put them ahead of the Raiders. I don't even know if I would have the Raiders in the top 10. But the Steelers at 10 is good. Um, they got Ben Roethlisberger back, which is really good. And they got a great defense. They brought in Chase Claypool, a six, four receiver. They got tight end Eric Ebron. And they also got Minka Fitzpatrick and that great defense returning. Um, I think Pittsburgh could, is going to fight for one of those six or seven seeds in the AFC. Then 11, he's got the Vikings. 12, got the Packers. I could agree with that. Vikings, Packers were both fringe playoff teams last year. Packers went all the way to the NFC Championship. I think the teams um, might have regressed a little, but I think one of them will win. The, I think both of them will get in the playoffs. 13, he's got Buffalo. Now I, now, I would flip Buffalo with the Raiders at 8, and I would have the Raiders right around this 13 spot because the Buffalo Bills, they went 10-7 and seven last year because they went 10-6, and six, lost the playoff game, right? But they are going to win the AFC East. They have a good defense. They got Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a sneaky MVP candidate this year. They got Devin Singletary. Um, they got they brought in Zach Moss from Utah, another good running back. The Bills also almost beat the um, the Texans, and they brought in Stephon Diggs. That's another weapon for Josh Allen. They got T. Like, like, come on, Diggs is going to be better in Buffalo. He's a good fit for Allen, and Diggs also had a best league best eight catches of 40-plus yards. So I'll put the Buffalo Bills at eight and move the Raiders all the way down to 13. Now, 14 through 16, or 14 through, seven, through 17, I would say, is where the, these are the teams that a lot of people think could either make the playoffs or could be competing for the number one pick. And I'm in the same boat. So 14, he's got the Colts. The Colts started off pretty hot last year. I think they were 5-3 and three at one point, and they brought in Phillip Rivers to um, you know, put a stronghold on that QB position. They also brought in Jonathan Taylor to um, pair with Marlon Mack. They got a great offensive line. Um, I think the Colts could be a playoff team, but I don't, th- I don't think they're going to win their division. I think the Titans have that division locked up. But I can see the Colts being 14. Then we got the Eagles at 15. I'll put the Eagles a little higher. Um, I don't know. If the Eagles are healthy with Carson Wentz, and if they have all their weapons and their receivers, I think they're a good team. And remember, they're only two years removed from a Super Bowl win. They got a good pe- good coach in Doug Peterson. They also got Darius Slay for relatively cheap. I think the Eagles, um, Week 16 Eagles at Cowboys, I think that's going to be the NFC East Championship game. But he's got the Eagles at 15. Then he's got the Rams at 16. So the Rams went 9-7 and seven last year. But they got rid of a lot of talent. They're cutting a bunch of people. Um, the Rams, if the Rams return to the playoffs this year, Jared Goff will have to have a turnaround season. And that's pretty iffy. Um, if Cooper Cup, Coop, Cooper Cup needs to be healthy, Brandon Cooks. Um, Brandon Cooks is uh, in... 
in Houston now. But Cooper, if Cooper Cup stays healthy, the Rams could could make some noise. But they got rid of Todd Gurley. They don't really have a running game. I don't know. There's too many question marks for that team. Then we got 17 through 20. Those are teams that people also think can make the playoffs. Notice the one surprise that I have right now is no Cleveland Browns yet. Where are they on Peter King's power rankings? I don't know. We're going to have to find out, though. So 17, he's got the Chicago Bears. Um, so I can see that. They went 8-8 eight and eight last year. They got Nick Foles. Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, that's the big question. But the Bears still have a good defense. Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. Now they got Robert Quinn. Three, he had 11 and a half sacks in 14 games last year for the Cowboys. In 33 games of Na- the Nagy era, the Bears have allowed 18.1 points per game. And there's no reason to expect that production to go away. If the quarterback is a B-plus player, the Bears could ride a favorable schedule to the playoffs. But that means Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles has to play better. And I think um, Nick Foles is the man in Chicago. I think he's going to be their starter, but I just think it's a matter of time. 18 is a little bit of a surprise, but you know I'm, i I got to keep reminding myself that this team got better. The Arizona Cardinals. Now, every time I look at the Cardinals, I think, man, didn't they just have the number one pick two years ago? But then I forget that... They got Kyler Murray in his second year. They got Kenyon Drake last year who ran all over some teams. And they traded for DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of potatoes. They got two. You're telling me they got DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake. That is a perfect thing to build around your second year quarterback. Perfect offense for your second year quarterback. And you got Isaiah Simmons in the draft. Arizona is an interesting team to watch in 2020. And I think they're going to make a playoff run. I might even have the Cardinals higher than the Rams. Because I just think the Cardinals have more of a ceiling than the Rams do this year. But 18, he's got the Cardinals. Then we got the Miami Dolphins at 19, which is kind of confusing to me. Okay, I get that they got Tua. I get that Brian Flores is a good coach. But Tua, there's no guarantee he's going to stay healthy. If he stays healthy. He's been healthy one full year at Alabama. One. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, if, if if I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to start out by starting the season for the Dolphins, but then Tua is going to learn behind it. But you know the Dolphins, if they start losing earlier with some Fitz magic, that they're going to want rush Tua into the lineup, and Tua is going to get re-injured. I get that Miami added a lot of talent to this offense. I get that they added a lot of talent to the team overall. I get that they have a good top-tier NFL coach, that they that they were tanking last year and actually won five games and still ended up with a quarterback that they wanted to. And since, um, since Halloween in 2019, the Miami Dolphins actually won more games than the Patriots. But I don't think they're the 19th team. I think I would put them in lower, like in the mid-20s. I think that's where their team belongs. They haven't proved anything. They got a relatively new team. Outside of two attack of Viola, the only star I can think of is Devontae Parker. Now, he's a baller. The dude can play, but he is not a division-changing guy. With that being said, though, I think the Dolphins have a chance to make a run this year. I don't think they will, but I think they got a chance to. So, 20, he's got the Denver Broncos. This is a good spot for the Broncos. I agree with this one. The, the Broncos have gone 5-11, and 6-10, and 7-9 and in the last three years. But they have such a good roster. And if Drew Locke can just be like 50% good. Like if he can be like 50% as good as Peyton Manning was on his last legs. I think they're going to be good. So they got A.J. Bouye and Bradley Chubb. 
and Chubb will be healthy, which is good. Um, then, but then they also added Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler with their first two picks, and they got Melvin Gordon. They also got Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, and Noah Fant. And then they also got Philip Lindsay. So you're telling they're gonna have a one-two punch of Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. That's that's like um, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb level good. The Broncos are gonna be a fun team to watch, and I think they are gonna either they're gonna end finish anywhere between six and eleven wins. Now this one is a little bit confusing me. Um, he's got the New England Patriots at twenty-one. Peter King has the New England Patriots at twenty-one. You can't put Belichick at 21. It's just going to motivate the guy. The best coach in NFL history at 21 is just going to motivate him. I think the Patriots still win seven or eight games this year. Um, it all depends on if they do go with Jarrett Stidham or if they try to go with like Brian Hoyer or something. But I think the Patriots could be right where the Dolphins are at 19. Flip the Dolphins and the Patriots and I'm a happy man. But do I think the Patriots are not going to be what be good this year? I think they're going to win six to eight games. I think that's their ceiling for this year. And everybody's saying, can Belichick win without Tom Brady? Well, Belichick's teams are 200, 219 and 64 when, when Brady starts and 54 and 63 when he doesn't. So if that answers your question, I know it's a small sample size like a comparatively, but we'll just have to wait and see. Now, at 22, we got the, hang on, I lost it here. 22, we got the Houston Texans. So the Texans actually made the playoffs last year. They they almost beat the Chiefs last year. They, were, they had the Chiefs up 24 to nothing before they blew that lead in the playoffs. But they did lose a lot of talent. Brandon Cooks is gone. Rant. Um, oh no, they got Brandon Cooks, my bad. They got Brandon Cooks, they got Randall Cobb, they did lose Deshaun, um, the DeAndre Hopkins, which was a big mistake in my opinion for them, but they did get, um, Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb, who hopefully can replace Hopkins' production. I think the Texans should be way higher on this list. I think they still could make the playoffs. They're gonna have a healthy J.J. Watt, they're gonna have Whitney Merciless, they should know where they stand by the end of September. They opened against the last two MVPs at Patrick Mahomes and hosting Lamar Jackson. They do have a tough schedule, but the Texans, they still made the playoffs. They, they, they won 11 games last year. Like, I don't think you can just discount that and say, oh, they're, they're going to be 22 in my power rankings. So then we got 23. We got the Los Angeles Chargers, who went 5-11 and last year. Um, they got a talented team. There's no doubting that. But they got Tyrod Taylor as their starter, who is a big question mark. Um, they also drafted Justin Herbert at six. That's another option for them. They got Chris Harris Jr. from Denver. He's a good signing for them. And they got a good um, first-round pick, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, linebacker. I think the Chargers have the talent to make the playoffs. I personally think they're going to win seven games. And at 24, we I've been waiting for their name to be called by Peter King. We got the Cleveland Browns at 24. This is a head-scratch for me, guys. Um, the Browns have Kevin Stefanski as their coach. They got a new coach. That was their biggest problem. Um, the Browns took Baker Mayfield, blah, blah, blah. It's a make or break year for Baker Mayfield. He's coming to a mold, the best possible offense around Mayfield. That's what Kevin Stefanski's coming in to do. 
Um, Mayfield um, needs to uh, to have a make. It's a make or break year for him. If he bounces back and shows the Browns that he is their um, leader of the future, then that's that's good. That's what we need to do. But if he has an, a down year like he did last year, that's not a good sign. But um, Stefanski said in an interview in March, he said, we're going to put him in a scheme. We're going to make sure he's comfortable with it. We're going to take our time to make sure we have the intricacies to everything we're doing down. If we don't have that precision, it's just going to be too hard. So I get that the Browns had a bad year last year. They only won six games, but they added Jack Conklin. They added Jedrick Wills. That's the offensive line. Check. That was their issue number one. Their second issue was coaching staff, Freddie Kitchens. They brought in Kevin Stefanski. Brought in some good coordinators around him. Check. They brought in tight end Austin Hooper to be a um, a healthy tight end if Njoku goes goes down. Check. The tools are there for a playoff team. But everybody's ranking the Browns so low because they don't trust Mayfield. I do trust Baker Mayfield. So that's why I would have the Browns at like 17 right around there. Then he's got the Falcons at 25. The Falcons are better than 25. I think they got too much talent to be 25. But after that, he's got the Detroit Lions, 26, the Bengals, 27, the Jets, 28, Panthers, 29, Giants, 30th, Washington Redskins, 32, and the Jaguars, um, the Washington Redskins, 31, and the Jaguars, 32. There's no arguing with those bottom six teams, but I might just flip the order. I think I would have Detroit, 26. I would keep the the Bengals 27, but then I would have the Panthers at 28, the Giants at 29, then I would have the Jets at 30, the Jaguars 31, and the Redskins 32. That's just me. Do I think those teams had the potential to be better than that? Yes, but those would be my way too early power rankings for the early in the season. All right, so we are going to go to break really quickly here. When we come back, we got some UFC talk. Conor McGregor retired, Steve Miocic and Daniel Cormier reignited a feud and a want to fight. We're also going to update you on the latest MLB proposal to its Players Association, and then we're going to finish with some talk about athletes using their platform to protest and speak out. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Season 1, Episode 8 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast here at Unbranded Sports. So it is... 1.10 p.m. on June 8th, 2020, and Conor McGregor has retired for a fourth time. Conor McGregor, of course, is the star UFC fighter from the from Ireland, the fighting Irishman, the notorious MMA, announced on Twitter yesterday. Um, it was it was right after the uh, Amanda Nunez UFC 249 fight went final. It was right after that happened. He tweeted, "Hey guys, I've decided to retire from fighting." Thank you for all the amazing memories. What a ride it's been. Here's a picture of myself and my mother in Las Vegas. Post one of my world title wins. Pick the home of your dreams, Mags. I love you. Whatever you desire, it's yours. So Conor McGregor has retired, but it is the first... Should we believe him? Because he's done this before. So the first first time happened... This is the thir- third time he's retired, excuse me. The first time happened in 2016, April 19th. He tweeted, I've decided to retire young. Thanks for the cheese. Catch you as later. <laughs> and then it last, just last year, March 26, 2019, he tweeted, Hey guys, quick announcement. I decided to retire from the sport formerly known as mixed martial arts. I wish all my old colleagues will go, 
well going forward in my competition. I now join my former partners on their venture already in retirement. Proper pina coladas on me, fellas. So, but then, of course, McGregor did come back and fight. He also had his um his comeback fight just in January as he fought um Cowboy Cerrone and did beat him very quickly. Everybody was excited that the King, the Irishman, was back, but it looks like he's going away. And this did um prompt a reaction from several stars in the sports war sports world, most notably from Floyd Mayweather. Now you may remember Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor actually fighting in the boxing ring in 2017 or 2018. Floyd Mayweather, of course, did win that fight, but Conor McGregor put up a good, like, good, good fight. I mean, it wasn't like he got knocked out in the first 30 seconds like a lot of people thought, but Floyd Mayweather did have some choice words on the notorious MMA's retirement post on Instagram. He said, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you tell Mike Tyson you could beat me if we fought a second time? Now you're quitting? I thought you wanted to beat the best. Well, if you decide to come back, I'll be waiting to punish you again. So that's what Floyd Mayweather, the boxing champion, did say about Conor McGregor's retirement. Now, do I think this Conor, McGre- Conor McGregor um, tweet about him retiring could be just to get people more excited about the possibility of him coming back in a big fight against, I don't know, say, um, Khabib or... Um, Floyd Mayweather. Oh, I think that's absolutely a possibility. But as of right now, we're not going to speculate on that here. We're just going to say congratulations to Conor McGregor on his retirement. And he will go down as one of the most entertaining and one of the best to ever lace him up in the UFC. Now, some other UFC news we got here. Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. Of course, Stipe Miocic is the heavyweight champion of the world coming out of Cleveland, Ohio. So, but Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic have fight have fought several times. So it's been nearly ten months since Stipe Miocic recaptured the UFC heavyweight championship from Daniel Cormier. Now it appears that two of the best fighters in MMA history are prepared to complete the trilogy. Talking to Twitter on Sunday, Miocic implied he's ready to defend the title he's successfully retained more times than any fighter in UFC history. The time has come, he said. Who's ready? Hashtag Stephen Miocic, hashtag and still. And it didn't take long for Daniel Cormier to reply and start stirring the pot for Cormier Miocic 3. He retweeted Miocic's post with a heart eyes emoji and a simple threat saying, You're done. Now, Cormier's response seemingly confirms that what, when Miocic does return to the octagon, it will be to complete a trilogy of fights that began at UFC 2020. 226 in 2018 when Cormier ended Miocic's two-year reign as heavyweight champ with the first round KO and at UFC 241 last August Miocic of course recaptured the crown knocking out Cormier in the fourth round to become a two-time heavyweight champion. A third fight between two of the UFC's living legends appeared inevitable. An eye injury suffered by Miocic coupled with the coronavirus pandemic threw a potential wrench in those plans. Last month's Dana White UFC president threatened to strip the heavyweight championship off Miocic, who had been unable to train for a fight with train for a fight with gyms in Ohio closed. I want to, and then Miocic responded, "I want to fight DC. It's going to happen. Period. The second the gym can open, we begin camp. Plain and simple. I've never ducked anyone." As the new Euclid native said in his post on Sunday, "Now, the time has come." 
So I'm excited for that fight, man. We got some good stuff happening in the world of fighting. We got Daniel Cormier and Steve Miocic's potential third rematch there. We got Conor McGregor retiring, of course, which sucks at the time. But if if I get Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather again, or Conor McGregor fighting um, Khabib or um, Silva, one of those fights, that is top-notch fighting television. I love watching it. Um, the fight, um, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury was a great fight to watch back in February or March. It was one of the one of the last um, good sports memories we had before this pandemic happened. But I'm excited to see all this great stuff happening in the world of fighting, and it's pretty awesome to see. Moving on, we got so the MLB actually did come up with a counter proposal to the players. So this proposal is 75% prorated salary to the players, and it will be a 76 game season. They would get playoff pool money, no draft pick compensation, no draft pick compensation for signing a player. The season regular season would finish September 27th, and the postseason would end at the end of October. So um, it's a significant move by the MLB and towards the players' demands and effort to play more. Now, when I first read this tweet from Carl Ravage, the great um, reporter on ESPN, I was like, we're going to get baseball. I was so happy. I was like, yes. We're finally getting baseball. But then I started looking at what players were saying on Twitter. And the first thing I saw was Andrew McCutcheon tweeting, LOL. Quite simply, just tweeting, LOL. So that, if, and McCutcheon is high up in the player rankings and the Players Association. So if that's any indication of what the other players are thinking, it's not good news. So in the new MLB proposal, the season would begin about July 10th if it passes. The, the, delay cost, the, the delays cost the July 4th start. Um, but the MLB Players Association, like I mentioned, does not like this latest offer. They think it's a step backwards. Surprise, surprise. The guaranteed 50% pay with possibility of earning a 75% prorated salary. Also in the proposal, it would be a 76-game season, playoff money, and no draft pick compensation for free agency. So what's the big deal? So apparently... The 75% prorated salary is the same offer that they've been doing money-wise, but it's just in a different number of games. Now, now that's what some people are saying, but I am just, just as confused as everybody else is. Why can't they just meet in the middle and find a compromise? I get that the players want to make as much money as they can, and I get that the owners are losing money. But at the end of the day, the players got to ask themselves, I am playing a kid's game and making millions of dollars. Now, I think that should be enough for them, but here's why players are angry. So, according to Mike Axisa, he's a reporter on the MLB, he said 82 games at a sliding scale is a 33% salary. That, of course, was the first offer. 50 games at a pro-rated play is 33% salary. And then the latest, the latest offer, 76 games, at 75% prorated pay is, you guessed it, a 33% salary. Now, it all comes back to the same place. The MLB keeps making the same offer in different forms. The MLB is ruining the MLB, not the players, not the fans, the MLB. The league needs to decide. The owners need to realize that they would dominate the market if baseball would come back right now. They would dominate the market. If you're telling me if baseball started July 10th, the regular season game started July 10th, and the NBA playoffs, the regular season playing games, all that stuff, the NBA is not going to start till July 31st. You're telling me baseball is going to dominate the market for three weeks. 
like why can't they um take it um advantage of that and capitalize on that opportunity it's just they're not seeing the same page the league and the players association as a baseball fan baseball's always been my favorite sport it's so hard to see i just want them to play baseball can we just please play baseball baseball is one of the things that he's united america over so many crises and now we're just stuck without it because both players and owners are being greedy you got to meet in the middle do better mlb do better players association make a compromise make a compromise now we are going to get into some more serious stuff here kind of we're going to be talking about Drew Brees' comments on the flag the NFL um leaders such as Patrick Mahomes Odell Beckham Jr and Jarvis Landry making a video about the Black Lives Matter movement and Roger Goodell actually responding to the video and vowing to do better so let's start talking about that so the Drew Brees flag thing, we did talk about it in the Just Hoop show. We're not going to get too much into it. but So Drew Brees basically was in an interview with Yahoo Finance and said something to the lines of, I'll never agree with anybody who disrespects the flag of the United States of America. And Drew Brees, I think rightfully so, got a little bit of backlash for it because his question was about the whole situation with George Floyd. It wasn't about the flag or anything. And I think that's what some of the athletes, such as Michael Thomas, such as Malcolm Jenkins and LeBron James, players who call them out on social media, were trying to say, like, it's not about the flag, man. It's just about what we are peacefully protesting, and it's our right to have this peaceful protest and the opinion. And Drew Brees did walk back his comments. He apologized. He wrote an open letter to Donald Trump. And I think Drew Brees is a solid dude. He's a good dude. I read his book. His book is great. You should go check it out. It's called Coming Back Stronger. The guy's a great guy. He's done so much for the community of New Orleans and Louisiana. Helped rebuild that city after um, um, Hurricane Katrina. He made a dumb comment, yeah, but I think he genuinely wants to learn and to educate himself about this whole situation. And I think um, he's. Um, I think it's fine that he walked back his comments. I think it was insensitive to say it in the first place, yeah, but he seems willing to learn and he seems like he wants to work with his teammates to learn that stuff. Okay, so then the other piece of business in the NFL we need to get to is the the players. Um, so Patrick Mahomes, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Saquon Barkley, and Ezekiel Elliott, just to name a few, made a video calling out the, the league to um, give an apology and stuff. So... Goodell did actually respond to this video. He said, we are listening, I am listening, and I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for better and more united NFL families. Now, in Goodell's message, he did not address the national anthem, the American flag, or the kneeling, or kneeling during the national anthem. But some people who don't like to watch videos and who sometimes don't like to read thought that that was exactly what he was addressing. And of that, of course, is President Donald Trump. So Donald Trump said, Could it even be remotely possible that in Roger Goodell's rather interesting statement of peace and reconciliation, he was intimate, intimating that it would now be okay for the players to kneel or not to stand for the national anthem, thereby disrespecting our country and our flag? Well, I don't think he was saying that. He didn't say anything about the flag or anything. But he did encourage players to peacefully protest. And that is their First Amendment right. Just like it's everybody else's First Amendment right to stand in front of a state house with assault rifles because they couldn't get a haircut due to a national pandemic. It's a peaceful protest. It's the First Amendment right. 
If players want to kneel during the National Anthem, they should be able to kneel during the National Anthem. And that brings me back to Colin Kaepernick and kind of the Drew Brees situation again. Now, the Drew Brees thing is all right. I, I forgive the man Drew Brees for saying what he said. Who I do not forgive is Laura Ingram, the um, reporter for Fox News, who back in 2018, 2017, one of the two, when LeBron James and Kevin Durant spoke their opinion about Donald Trump and his presidency, she said they need to shut up and dribble. That's what she said. And then when Drew Brees says something about players shouldn't be allowed to kneel for the national anthem and gets hate for it, she says he's allowed to have his opinion. You have to respect his opinion. Why couldn't she do that with LeBron and KD? That's just the double standard that people are trying to show show some people in a time like this. Because you can't just say, just because you agree with someone that they can say that. And just because you disagree with someone, you can't just say, oh, you're not allowed to do that. I think we, we need to be more understanding. And I just think um, listening, just listen to each other. Like Roger Goodell said, like all these people are saying, just listening to each other and... Um, to, to get better as a society. Um, now, Colin Kaepernick has come to the spotlight soon, um, once again. And I think, personally, if Roger Goodell wants to do better as a league and wants the NFL to condemn racism, system, systemic oppression of black people, I think the league needs to apologize for to Colin Kaepernick. Because Colin Kaepernick is doing what the league is, is encouraging players to do now. Peacefully protest. Make their voices heard. Colin Kaepernick did it in 2016, 2017. And got so much hate for it. And there are other players who did it. Such as Andrew Hawkins. And they got so much hate for it as well. Kaepernick actually got blackballed out of the league. But I think Kaepernick deserves an apology. And I think Kaepernick deserves another chance in the league. Now according to Bleacher Report, there's increasing hopes around the league that Kaepernick could get signed. Um, he did, of course, work out for a number of teams last year, and and if this doesn't if sh- this doesn't show you that some players in the league think he can still play, I don't know what will. Bears defensive lineman Akeem Hicks on Colin Kaepernick getting blackballed out of the league. He said, "We signed Mike Glennon." Now, Mike Glennon, of course, played at North Carolina State, one of the most overhyped, overrated quarterbacks in NFL history. He comes out of North Carolina State, plays two mediocre seasons with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, signs a huge contract with the Chicago Bears, and doesn't even start more than half a season for them? Yeah, that was crazy. But I think Kaepernick deserves another shot. I think he at least deserves an apology because he stood up for what he thinks was right. And I think you got to applaud someone whenever they do that. And speaking of which, Colin Kaepernick is... um, receiving so much support from the league, and it's really great to see. Um, so Adrian Peterson it says he's definitely planning to kneel this year during the National Anthem to, um, to speak out against racial injustices in the police police system and in the um, justice system and um, speak out against racism. And I think a lot of players will join him. I think if the league can, like, if the players can use their platform for good, if they can protest, see, uh, seeing Dwayne Haskins, the Redskins quarterback, protesting, seeing Deshaun Watson at protests, um, even other athletes, Steph Curry, Aisha Curry, Jalen Brown, um, Jordan Clarkson, players like that going to protests, and other players, Darius Garland, um, some other players who are c- help cleaning up communities. That is what we need to see more of, and I think it's great to see athletes using their platforms to speak up against 
speak out against what they think is wrong and to speak up and for what they believe in and think is what is right. So I'm going to real quick end this, end this, um, part before we get to what's trending in the week. Um, I just want to applaud Roger Goodell for actually listening to the players. I want to applaud the players for coming out with a video, um, asking the NFL to do these things. And I want to applaud Colin Kaepernick and Drew Brees. I want to applaud Colin Kaepernick because he stood up for what, for what, what, what he thought was right before it was cool. And he, he basically, um, if you have never seen this Nike commercial, go, go search it on YouTube right now. Look up Colin Kaepernick Nike commercial. And basically the end says, says, um, then says it all about Colin Kaepernick. It says, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And that's what the man did. And I think he deserves another shot in the league. I'm going to applaud him. And I'm also going to applaud Drew Brees for being will for admitting he was wrong and being willing to learn about stuff he frankly doesn't understand. I think we as a people need to do more of that. So that's all I'm going to talk about on that note. Um, but here we're we're going to end this episode with what's trending of the week. So what's trending of the week is a good segment. I like to talk about what's trending in the sports world. These two things are kind of obscure, but they are trending. <laughs> so. Max Kellerman, of course, the host of the one of the uh, co-hosts of First Take, besides um, beside the legendary, the amazing Stephen A. Smith, had some pretty interesting comments on Friday in which he said the NHL is not a top four sport in America. What? What is that? The NHL is not a top four sport in America. What is the MLS? Like, I don't want, like, I would, I love playoff hockey. I love watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. I would, I like going to hockey games too. Of course, I live, I do, am more of a Cleveland fan and do live closer to Cleveland. So I do go to more AHL games, the Cleveland Monsters, of course. But the NHL, to say that's not a top four sport in America is blasphemous, as the great Stephen A. Smith would say. It is blasphemous it was crazy we actually in one of the group um sports group chats i'm in for uh at tv2 with kent state we were talking about how crazy that sa- that he said that was um hockey is uh top four sports um besides football basketball and baseball in america there's nothing else but i mean of course maybe so- worldwide soccer of course is a top four sport but in america hockey has got to be the top fourth the the, the fourth best sport um, hockey is definitely a top four sport in the U S I think NHL is greater than MLS. I think of according to Max Kellerman, I don't know if he thinks the MLS is better than hockey or if boxing is better than hockey since he's a boxing reporter, but no doubt the sports in, in America r- ranked on just viewership and fan interest. It goes NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL in that order. Then I think you would throw in European soccer over MLS. That's just my opinion. So that's all I got on that. And then we are going to finish with one of the things I have been following very closely during quarantine. It is Coach Doug's and Big Cat from Barstool Sports and Part of My Take. So if you don't know, um, Part of My Take is one of the most successful sports podcasts in the world. 
and Big Cat is a co-host of that podcast. Now, during um, quarantine, he um, bought a copy of NCAA 14 and Xbox 360 and started streaming on Twitch his journey as the made-up coach, Coach Gus Duggerton, and his chance for glory. So he started at this coach, this made-up coach in the video game, started at Toledo, then went to Florida State as a coordinator, then went to USC as a coordinator, then went to Texas Tech as a head coach, and then finally finished this past season as a head coach at Tennessee. Now, he is already in 2018 in this simulation in NCAA 14. And he had his national, his team was in the national championship yesterday. So if you want to watch this and like go ahead and go through like all these past things, go to twitch.tv slash pardon my take or just listen to pardon my take. They talk about Coach Dugs a lot. Um, it's really entertaining for a sports fan who's missing sports because Big Cat is a likable sports personality and he gets so fired up over this game and it's really funny to watch. But anyway, so Coach Duggs in Tennessee had the national championship yesterday against Virginia Tech and it turns out they lost. They got badly beat. And so Coach Duggs and Big Cat has often said, after I win the national championship, I'm going to stop streaming um, NCAA 14. I'm going to stop streaming it. And he's gotten so close so many times, but it's just choked at the end. And it's so funny to watch. Um, tonight, I believe at 8 or 9 on twitch.tv slash part of my take, he'll be announcing where he's going to coach next. So he could stay at Tennessee for another year, try to go to the national championship. But rumor has it if Wisconsin, USC, or LSU call with their head coaching offer, he's going to go there. But that's just a fun activity to watch during quarantine, especially if you like video games and you like sports and you like Barstool Sports and pardon my take. And if you like that, you should definitely go check that out. Now that is all I have for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Go listen to our other podcasts. Just search Unbranded Sports, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor.fm. Um, Go subscribe to us on YouTube, Unbranded News and Media. Just search Unbranded News and Media. We got Season 3, Episode 1 of the Just Tube Show coming out this week. That'll be up on the YouTube channel and up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope everybody has a great week. Stay safe, wash your hands, and join us next week. We're going to have a fun episode. Don't really know what we're going to be talking about. But it's going to be a must-listen like it always is. Stay classy, people, and um, see you next week. Goodbye.